Heavenly Father, this is a wonderful privilege that we have to come and hear your word, especially uh, the prophetic scriptures that gives us a wonderful, strong foundation of hope. And we should be the most hopeful people on the planet. And the more we know about the future, the more we will be looking forward and anticipating what you have for us. Please bless your word now as we deal with a topic that most people would rather never even discuss, but we do so because it's clearly taught in your word. So we ask for illumination and the ministry of the Holy Spirit to work in each of our hearts now in Jesus' name. Amen. I do just, I'm not going to mention, I'm not going to take any time to mention any books, but uh, we do have a lot of books on our table. And Tommy has a lot of books on his table. And the difference between his books and the books I have on my table, he wrote most of his. I didn't write any of mine. (laughs) His books are fantastic. I really enjoy reading his books. Avail yourself to his table and then to our table and also to the table that the church graciously is providing for free. There's some good literature out there as well. When I saw those, I thought, wow, that's, that's really fantastic. So you have a good opportunity to take things home with you that will edify you and where you could do some, own, some of your own personal study as well. Well, my topic, and I was thrilled to see that it was even authored, is the divine wrath of God and the tribulation period. The key word in there is divine. Because a lot of people think of the tribulation being the wrath of Satan or the wrath of man. Well, they'll, they'll certainly be involved, but ultimately it's the wrath of God, the divine wrath of God. It's a tough subject to deal with. I remember the, actually the last time I was in a prophecy conference with Tommy Ice who was in, in Kansas City. And one of my topics was the lake of fire. Now, that's not an easy topic either. But I, I do believe that as we go through this, there's going to be edification for us as well. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to go through some general truths that the Word of God teaches about God's wrath. And then we're going to get into the uniqueness of God's wrath That's during the tribulation period. And it will be. The wrath of God during the tribulation period is very, very unique. Then we're just going to take a small sampling of some passages that describes the tribulation period. And then we're going to talk about the way of escape. God has given us a way of escape of his wrath. And that ought to be important to each and every one of us here. In our unsaved state, every one of us, prior to our being saved, and if you're here right now and you're not saved, you are currently under the wrath of God. Not at its full display like it will be during the tribulation period, but you are under his wrath. All believers have been delivered completely from his wrath, as we will see. So the first point we want to take a look at is that God is the one who chose to make his divine wrath known. This was a choice of God. This is not something that man would come up with. This is one of the reasons why we don't believe the Bible was just written by man. They wouldn't even include a topic like this. 
This is from God. It says in Romans chapter 1, verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And, and, and the, the way those words are put together are very important. People start off by becoming ungodly, and the more ungodly a person becomes, the more unrighteous they become. That's what the whole book, the first chapter of Romans is all about. The more a person pushes God out of their lives, the more unrighteous they become. We see that in our own nation. We see it in the school system. You push God out, unrighteousness prevails. Mankind did not invent the truth that God is a God of wrath. Uh, He's the one who revealed it to human beings himself. Now, I know that there are many people who see this side of God as inconsistent, but it's not really inconsistent at all. It's necessary. How, how would God be able to display his intense yet controlled anger uh, for, uh, for sin without his being a God of wrath? He displays his holy wrath, and God's wrath is always manifested as a result of man's sins of ungodliness and unrighteousness. Another general truth about God's wrath is that we've seen God's wrath in the past. It has been seen. We see it in the present. It's currently being seen, and we will see it in the future as well. For example, let me just going to read some examples of God's wrath that's been displayed throughout the Word of God. Uh, we see the wrath of God when the angels sinned. We saw the wrath of God during the worldwide flood, the destruction of Sodom, the rebellion of Korah, and certainly displayed at the cross of the Messiah, Jesus, and God's wrath currently, and this is something that people are just oblivious to, they do not understand that they are currently under the wrath of God. That's one of the privileges that we have to share with them in love. We have to speak the truth in love and let them know the very dangerous position that they're in. God's wrath currently abides on all the lost people. And of course, we'll see it in the future tribulation period. We'll see it at the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ when he has several judgments prior to the establishment of the millennial kingdom. And of course, the wrath of God will be demonstrated at the great white throne judgment as well. And these are just, when I tell you a small sampling, it is just all through. When you begin taking a look at it, you know, sometimes when you you buy a new car and then all of a sudden you start looking around and you see that car that, that you bought all over the streets, but you never noticed it before. Well, when you start looking for the wrath of God, boy, it's just prevalent. This is something that God, in his grace, has, is, is warning the world about. There are two passages that I want us to look at. One is in Colossians chapter 3, and it helps us to understand the wrath of God a little bit. Colossians 3, 5, and 6. If you have the notes, it's right there on the bottom of the page 1. Therefore, consider the members. He's writing to believers. So he tells them to consider the members of their earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. 
For it is because of these things, and those are all sins, right? It is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. Sons of disobedience is a very important phrase. We, if if we're believers, we were in the past sons of disobedience. If you're a believer, you are no longer a son of disobedience. You can't be. It's inconsistent with being a believer to still be a son of disobedience. It doesn't mean that we're not going to disobey. It doesn't mean we enter into a state of perfection, but we cannot be a son of disobedience. We see something similar in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. He's talking to people who are believers, so he says, In the past, you were dead. There was a time when every one of us were dead in our trespasses and sins. If you're not yet a believer, if you've never been redeemed, you've never repented of your sins, that's your present state. You are still dead in your trespasses and sins, but we're going to see that there's a way that's been provided to be removed from that status of being dead in our trespasses and sins. So Paul says to these Ephesian believers, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience, same thing he told the Colossian church, among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature, this is our true nature as a lost person, children of wrath, even as the rest. You know, when you talk to the average person who's not a believer and we try to share the gospel with them, they're not willing to admit to you that they're a child of wrath. What, what are they quick to tell you? How good they are. Well, let me tell you what I've weighed. You don't know me. Let me tell you what I've done. And they begin running down all of this list of, of things that they believe is, is making a difference for their eternal destiny by their own self-righteousness. So we have to help them understand that's not the way it works. God sees all lost people as a son of disobedience under his wrath. And that wrath will only get worse and worse and worse and worse where it will ultimately wind up in the lake of fire and that's when it's in full bloom. That's the ultimate wrath of God. Those are just some of the general truths that the Word of God teaches and there's a whole lot more, obviously. But I want to get into the uniqueness of God's wrath in the tribulation period. It's already been said very eloquently that This time is going to be a very unique time in its intensity and devastation. And even though we can look in the past, we can look in past history and we can come up with some really, really devastating times. Uh, Being in Jewish missions, one of the things that comes up frequently when we are talking to Jewish people, not as often as it used to, but uh, some Jewish people will still bring up, obviously, the Holocaust. We used to have opportunities to share the gospel with many of them. Most of them have died off just because of 
how long it's been since that happened. But, uh, yeah, that, that was a bad time. And there's been other bad times. But when it comes to the tribulation period, especially the last three and a half years, there is nothing that will ever compare to those days. Listen to what Jesus said. Matthew 24, 2. For then there will be a great tribulation such as has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. Jeremiah 37. Alas, for that day is great. There's none like it. And it is a time of Jacob's distress. But he will be saved from it. As bad as the tribulation period is going to be for the people of Israel, they're not going to be ultimately consumed. As bad as it has gotten for Israel, they technically are an indestructible nation. And they're the only indestructible nation there is. What is said about them is said of no other nation on the planet. We have people down through history who have always wanted to destroy them, blow them off the face of the map. God told God has told us in his word how that could be done. He's actually said, if you want to destroy Israel, here's how you do it. Just get the sun out of the sky, the moon out of the sky, the stars out of the sky, and the waves out of the ocean. And then you could destroy the people of Israel. They will go through unbelievable difficult times during the tribulation period. That's why it's called, one of the terms is, the times of Jacob's trouble. But there's not going to be anything like it. But he's going to be saved from it. God is not going to wipe the Jewish people off the face of the map because of the covenants that he entered into with them. Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1 says, And there will be a time of distress, such as never occurred since there was a nation until that time. And Joel 2 verse 2 It's called a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness. There has never been anything like it, nor will there be again after it. So the worst days for the planet lie ahead. Once those days are over, nothing that bad will ever happen again. It's a one-time, unique time period. So one of the main characteristics that will distinguish Now, there's a lot of people who say, wait a minute, you you talk about this pre-trib rapture. We've always had tribulations. And and they just don't understand the uniqueness of the tribulation with a capital T. And difficulties and trials and persecution and sufferings that everybody goes through. Believers as well, especially if we stand true to the gospel. But the unique thing that's going to set the tribulation apart from the difficult times that our planet has experienced in the past and will experience in the future, is that a lot of the circumstances that are very, very difficult are localized. In other words, it might be on this part of the planet or it might be on this part of the planet. But the unique thing about the tribulation period, it's going to be worldwide. It's going to engulf and surround the entire planet. And that's what's going to be unique about the tribulation period. I mean, there are places that you just hear about the sufferings that Christians go through in other parts of the world. We might be heading in that direction even in our own country, but we've never experienced some of those kinds of things. 
So a lot of the tribulations and difficulties are in different sections of the world. But when it comes to the tribulation period, there's no escaping it. Wherever you go. In fact, it's going to get so bad that people are going to run into the mountains and say, fall on us. We want to get out of here. But they won't be able to die. So those are some of the unique aspects of God's wrath in the tribulation. Let's take a look at just some passages. And there are so many. I mean, there's just literally an abundance, an overabundance of passages that describe and characterize the tribulation period. In Isaiah chapter 13, verses 6 and 7, it says, Wail, for the day of the Lord is near. It will come as destruction from the Almighty. I want you to notice something. Did you notice where the destruction comes from? It comes from the Almighty. I'm... I haven't taken a poll, but I'm sure that some people just think that Satan is going to be in control of all the bad stuff that's going to happen in the tribulation period. Now, he might be an agent who will carry out some of that stuff, but he's under the sovereign hand of God. If if there's demons involved, the same way. This destruction is from the Almighty. Therefore, all hands will fall limp, and every man's heart will melt. Those are sure descriptive, aren't they? Just your, your, your hands just hang. It's like when you, when you just put your hands by your side, it's like there's nothing I can do. I, I'm, I'm at a loss. I can't do anything. Well, that's how people are going to feel during that time. In Isaiah chapter 13, verses 10 and 11, it says, For the stars of heaven and their constellations will not flash Forth their light. The sun will be dark when it rises, and the moon will not shed its light. Thus, I will punish the world. Again, implication all of this is coming from the Lord. Thus, I will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their iniquity. I will also put an end to the arrogance of the proud and abase the haughtiness of the ruthless. So you see that why is all of this going to happen? Well, we read some of those verses in the New Testament. This one says the same thing. I'm going to punish the people for their iniquity. Sin is what generates the wrath of God. The wrath of God is going to come because of ungodliness and unrighteousness. We saw that in Romans chapter 1. That's why it has been revealed. So these two verses in Isaiah clearly present some of the purposes for the tribulation. Evil, wickedness, iniquity, pride, Haughtiness, which is a feeling of superiority, will be dealt with during this particular time. Zephaniah, chapter 1 and verse 15, he says, A day of wrath is that day, a day of trouble and distress, a day of destruction and desolation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness. 
You know, when we have like three days of weather like this, you know, when the, you don't see the sun and everything is gloomy, that's, it affects you. Well, this is going to happen for a long, long duration. And Matthew 24, our Savior said, unless those days had been cut short, no life would have been saved. <laughs> Could you imagine? Mankind would have wiped out mankind if God didn't intervene. Unless those days were cut short, no life would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. God has his eyes upon the elect, doesn't he? He always has. Jeremiah chapter 30 and verse 11. For I am with you, declares the Lord. To save you, for I will destroy completely all the nations where I have scattered you. This is where we see God coming to the defense of the people of Israel. You know, during the tribulation period, there's going to be two teams. Zechariah 14 says, all nations... All nations, whenever you see the word nations, plural, it's a Gentile day. All the nations of the world are going to gather, get, gather together. So that's one team. The other team is Israel and God. So who do you think is going to win? <laughs> All nations? Well, they're going to try their best. I mean, you got people that hate each other that are going to join hand in hand for the single purpose of trying to destroy Israel. But God is going to come to their defense. I am with you, declares the Lord, to save you, for I will destroy completely all the nations where I have scattered you. Only I will not destroy you completely, but he says, I'm going to chasten you justly. Israel deserves to be chastened, but every time he disciplines Israel, he does it justly. And you know the same thing is true for a believer? It says in the book of Hebrews, whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. And that's just. That's just. That's a wonderful manifestation of being a believer. Because those whom he loves, he disciplines. And he loves Israel. He entered into covenant with them. I will chasten you justly and will by no means leave you unpunished. And by the way, we had some really wonderful exposition so far of, of some of the reasons for the tribulation period. And, and one of the important reasons for the tribulation period is to deal with his people Israel. You only have I known among all the nations. Amos 3, I believe it's verse 2. Does that mean that God didn't know the other nations? No, he knew them, but he, he didn't know them the way he knew Israel. That's the way Depart from me, I never knew you. He's going to say that in the future. Does that mean we need to introduce these people to God so he knows them? No, he knows them, but he doesn't know them like he knows us. Depart from me, I never knew you. When it comes to Israel, he knows them, and he deals with them differently than any other nation on the planet. And one of the things that God is going to do during the tribulation period is to bring Israel to their knees in repentance. That is a preparation that has to happen before the Lord returns to the earth. And when they look up and they see the Lord returning, and they will see him, and what does it say? They will, they will mourn 
because they realized that they had rejected the Messiah. Kind of, kind of like when Joseph revealed himself to his brothers, the ones that they, they sold him into slavery, and they came down to buy grain, and Joseph just couldn't handle it any longer, so he tells everybody to leave, and he reveals himself to his 11 brothers. I'm Joseph. Well, Joe, what have you been doing all these years? No, that's not what they said. I mean, with one word, Joseph could have had them what? Killed. But he, he, he gathered them together. And this is the way Israel is going to be met with God when they come to a place of repentance. It's going to be a beautiful time. The tribulation period will lead the remnant of Israel to what we read about in Romans 11, 26 and 27. And so all Israel will be saved, just as it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will remove ungodliness from Jacob. This is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. So those are just some of the characteristics that describe what's going to be going on. But number four is very important. The way of escape. How can we escape God's wrath? There's only one way. Get saved. If you're here right now, or if you're listening and you are not a believer, you just don't think there's any, this just doesn't make sense to me. I've got my own way. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. You've got your way, I've got my way. I've got my way, you've got your way, and we're both fine. No, we're not. One of us is wrong. One of us is desperately wrong. And the only reason why we could say with assurance that we're not wrong is if we follow the word of God, we're on the right track. If we do what the word of God says we're supposed to do, if we approach God on his terms instead of our own, Our own would be our own self-righteousness, which we have none. There's none righteous, no, not one. People really don't like that. They don't like to hear that. They don't like to hear that they don't have any ability whatsoever to do anything that can change the relationship that they have with God and, and, and do something that will benefit their soul. They don't realize the danger that they in. They're in. The, the great news is God has provided a way of escape. Not only can we escape his ultimate wrath for all eternity, but there's a way to escape the wrath of the tribulation period as well. I believe that the word of God says, and according to the book of Ephesians chapter 1, that we have been blessed with all spiritual blessings. And one of those blessings, I believe, is that we will miss the tribulation period. Now, if a believer dies, I got a call yesterday from a a very, very close pastor friend that went to be with the Lord the day after Christmas. Sad for us, he's doing wonderful. But you know what? He's he's not going to be going through the tribulation period. I mean, if we die, we're we're, we're certainly going to miss the tribulation period. But I got news for you. If we happen to be alive, and this could take place before I'm finished with my message, and I've only got a couple minutes left, the rapture could happen. That's right, it could happen in a couple of minutes. And all of us who are believers would escape the tribulation period. 
we will not experience the wrath of God because Jesus paid the wrath that we deserve on the cross. One of the great truths in the Bible is that believers, saints, those who have been redeemed, those who have been justified, declared righteous, whatever term you want to use, we are not destined for wrath. That's what it says. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 1, 10, We're to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, that is Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath to come. Romans 5, verses 9 and 10, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. Isn't that good news? That's what the gospel is. The gospel is good news. And if you're sitting there and you have never trusted the Lord Jesus, you are under the wrath of God, but you can be delivered right this very second. By just calling upon the name of the Lord. Whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But you've got to come his way. You've got to humble yourself. You've got to realize that you are lost in ungodliness and unrighteousness. And you are destined for the wrath of God. But there's where the love of God outshines all of that. That One of the great ways that God demonstrated his love, 1 John 4, 9 and 10, by this the love of God was manifested. By this, what's this? That he gave his only begotten son. He died in our place. And that's where the love of God shines. I think the love of God shines more than the wrath of God shines. I want to believe that. But I think they're really both close. Because they're both taught equally in scripture. The only way to escape the wrath of God is to get saved. For those of us who are saved, something to rejoice about, isn't it? Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you for that wonderful hope that we have. It's not just a a, a wish or a hope so that may not come to pass. It is certain. And the only reason why is because of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray in his name. Amen.